Uh, this is Paul Schneiderman today on the 102nd edition of Sports Untold on Rainier Avenue Radio. My special guest today is Bill Wixie. Bill is an Emmy Award-winning Seattle-based broadcast journalist. We're on Facebook Live today. Bill is a Lake Washington High School graduate, a graduate of the Merle School of Washington State University. Bill is currently the Fox 13 Seattle Morning News anchor. Uh, he's worked at Fox Sports Net. He's covered the Green Bay Packers. And he worked in Green Bay. Bill's just done so much stuff in the uh, media business. My podcast, Sports Untold, is now on Spotify, Google, Amazon, YouTube. And, wow. Uh, yeah, we're kind of trying to make this thing, kind of build this thing up a little bit more, Bill. Uh, but I That's really appreciate awesome. you coming on uh, the 102nd edition of Sports Untold. And I think it's just so much fun for many people who see some of their broadcast and media people on the radio and TV here and listen to people to kind of learn more about them um, in these type of interviews. So I, I think it's going to be a lot of fun today. It's my pleasure, man. It's good, it's good to finally be on, Paul. Absolutely. No, I'm glad we're doing this. And uh, you, you've been a guest I want to get on for a while. And I've always enjoyed seeing you over the years uh, on a few occasions. Well, Bill, I'm just going to have a potpourri of questions today. And I, I read that you were in Croatia recently. Can you tell us about your trip to Croatia? Yeah, uh, I had uh, this was a trip that was planned for a couple of years. And, you know, the pandemic shut everything down. Uh, so we had to kind of book it, rebook it, and then reconfigure everything around it. And, uh, you know, with the COVID protocols and such, we had to, you know, jump through a lot of hoops, but it was totally worth it. We rented a boat over there. A buddy of mine is um, a, uh, a international boat captain. So he has his international boat captain's license, which you need to rent. A, a, it's a 36 foot power cat uh, catamaran. Um, so we had that for a week in Croatia and we were just bouncing around through the islands. And then my other buddy, Wayne Johnson from Fair Start, uh, he and his wife joined us. And, um, so we had a world-class chef with us as well. Um, I'm not going to lie. That is the way to travel right there. <laughs> it was, it was amazing. Well, for, 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 for guys like you can pull it off. Now, now I understand Croatia is just from a topography standpoint, a very beautiful country. Yeah, it's it's incredible. I can't I, I I saw a lot of it, but not anywhere near as much as I would like to. So uh, we hit I, you know, I, I would call them like tourist spots. Uh, and some of them definitely are like Havar um, is the big uh, the old town there and like kind of where all the tourists go and hang out. And that's pretty close to um, uh, Dubrovnik. And then you could go and where we, we went hit all these islands. There were five or six different islands, uh, Korchula. Um, and then there was like um, Bol and Solta and these cool little coves and stuff. And uh, they're like blue caves and green caves and lagoons and incredible. You're just meeting people from all over the world. And it, it, it was a, really great experience and i was told by a buddy who lives in prague that that's where to go go to croatia and check that and i took his advice and did the boat thing as he suggested and i could not recommend it more highly it's it's uh it's an it's an amazing place but like i say there's so much more to it because there's so many islands and archipelagos all up the uh, north and southern part of it so the secret's sort of getting out you know, everybody knows about Greece. It's amazing. And 
this is a bit north of there. But yeah, I, what a trip. I, I could not recommend. Yeah, I know it's incredible. You can tell I'm, I'm blabbering on about it. No, I love it. I want you to, I want you to elaborate. You know, I've been to Prague. I've been to Czech Republic, which I love, but I've never seen mm-hmm. any other parts of Eastern Europe. Did you, Bill, when you were there, I know you, it sounds like your trip was more of kind of a, kind of a uh, less of a tourist trip maybe. But when you were in, in Croatia, did you feel any remnants at all from the war that ended 26, 27 years ago? Did you, did you? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I talked to a lot of people about it, um, had some fascinating conversations about what changed and what hasn't changed. Um, and they're still hurting. There's no question about it. I mean, these are these are areas that rely on tourists and they were cut off from that for a long time. So uh, the economic impacts are definitely being felt. And you kind of get the sense that they are one, you know, match strike away from something going down again there's a lot of really hurt feelings and um it's you know i mean it was literally in some cases you know family members warring against each other um and and really brutal bloody and and sad um so because it's such a beautiful country i mean everything they say about it is absolutely true and the people are beautiful just wonderful people well, really, I think a lot of listeners will enjoy and viewers will enjoy learning more about your trip to Croatia. We could talk all about Croatia Day, but I but I want to move on and hit on some other subjects. I can't keep you on the show for hours, Bill. I, I wouldn't do that to you. Um, Bill, you know, how you've been in the media. I mean, your, your voice and face is so familiar to people in the Northwest. How did you get this whole broadcasting bug? Tell us about how you kind of got the bug to go into what, you, what you're doing. Well, okay. Uh, I'm one of those weird people that knew what they wanted to do at a pretty young age. And uh i spent a lot of time my dad and i were um season ticket holders to everything huskies and i grew up a hardcore husky even though i, I ended up being a kook um so i'm, I'm kind of a kook ski i guess I, I i root for them both but um you know huskies seahawks mariners sounders even the old nasl sounders uh, seattle totems hockey you know grew up playing hockey uh, baseball, you know, the Mariners, season ticket holders to the Mariners from like 77 to like 81. I mean, that was like a, a sentence you had to serve. Never at a well. point. So yeah, yeah. A lot of time inside the, the kingdom, more time than any kid naturally should have. Uh, and so for me, like I would, I, I knew at a point <laughs> pretty young that I wasn't going to make it as a professional athlete. So uh, I was looking at the guys that were hanging out on the field and going in chatting with the players and stuff, the reporters. And I thought that would be a cool job to be able to get that pass and go down on the field and go in the locker room and, you know, hang out with those guys. Cause they were my heroes, you know? And so I thought that would be a great job. And I just went after it. I, I, I never wanted anything so bad. And so I went after it with everything I had and went to Wazoo and got, uh, got my education. And then, um, went off and worked in small markets and was able to make it back home. I got lucky that way. You haven't, you, you haven't really looked back since you, since you left Washington state, have you Bill? it working in the broadcast industry? No, it's been 32 years. I, uh, working cause I was actually working while I was on the air, uh, or I was on the air while I was going to school at, at Wazoo. My first gig was doing cut-ins for the Idahonian, which is the Moscow newspaper. And they were doing these, um, cut-ins on uh headline news and so i would do like a i think it was like a three minute cut-in or something like that and i would write it and then 
you know, produce it. And then I was basically taking newspaper stories and just, you know, translating them into, um, you know, broadcast form, which was great practice for me anyway. And then I would that starting in 1990. So yeah, it's been, <laughs> it's been a long time, but, um, I, you know, went to Great Falls, Montana and went to Arkansas, covered the Razorbacks there, covered the Packers in Green Bay, and then um, was able to come home. Um, but it was, the, the whole, the journey was, was amazing. Like I, I had no idea where I was going to end up. I had no clue. I, I hoped at a point, actually, I would end up at ESPN. And I did get an audition in Bristol in 96. Yeah, yeah, something like that. And I didn't get it. I I didn't get the sports center job and I I was absolutely floored and devastated and I didn't know what to do. And I was having this existential crisis. And then uh, Tony Ventrella, who I had met many, many years ago uh, prior to that, called me up and I'd been in touch with him. And he said, I think we might have a job for you at Cairo. He was at Cairo at the time. So he brought me in as a weekend guy at Cairo in 98. And that was my big big break as it were been 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 here been in Sierra since the late 90s haven't you bill yeah yeah 90 march of 98 it's fun to hear it was about a big deal for me man that was a huge deal for me it's fun to hear about about your run and and you really had to you really worked your way up you know going from some small and medium sized markets back to Seattle which is a pretty big market so i think it's fun for listeners and viewers to hear more about your your journey paul schneiderman host of the 102nd edition of sport the sports untold podcast also on radio Avenue radio with bill wixie the uh, emmy award winning broadcaster at, at seattle's uh, Fox News 13. Bill, you know, I was as I was preparing for your interview, I, I went and read a, a little more about you. And one thing I did not know about you is you've done some acting. Yeah. Um, Tell us about that. I, I well, so I went to I went to college when I left Lake Washington. I went to a little college in Missouri, and the idea was that I was going to go play baseball there, and. I was not ready for the rigors of actual college school type stuff. So I, uh, I failed miserably there and I ended up flunking. I didn't even finish my second semester and I just moved back home. And then honestly, I just partied for a year and had a blast and then decided, okay, I do want to do this broadcasting thing and I'm not going to get there this way. So I went to Bellevue College. It was actually there that I met Tony Ventrella and I met him in an acting class that I just randomly enrolled in. And then I, I fell in love with acting then. And that was, um, and I and I actually was going to pursue that as a career. I was very, very close. I got uh, scholarship offers to Cornish and to Cal Arts and, and was uh, interested in some other places, but Cal Arts is where I really wanted to go. And it, it looked like the thing and then um, I had kind of a heart to heart with my dad who said, I'm, you know, I'm willing to help you in any way I can do this because it's a really expensive school. Uh, but he said, you know, realize, though, that you're going to have to probably do another job before you get your acting job, you know, because, you know, the, the struggling actors and your waiting tables and whatever. And 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 I had to really think about that one because he was right. And I thought, well, you know, I do have this real strong passion for sports and for broadcasting, and I like it. 
And so I decided to not do it and go to Washington State. And I and I knew immediately when I went to Pullman that it was the right choice. And I and I got in that. And then uh, the broadcasting program was phenomenal. I had lots of opportunities. I hosted shows, but they also had this comedy show at Washington State called Live at Eight. And and were we a big deal? I don't know. We thought we were. We we thought we were really funny and. We um, we got written up in Rolling Stone and stuff, and like people would come to our live sketch comedy shows on Friday, and it was broadcast on the local TV channel, Channel Eight, and then like it was picked up by some national college television thing, and like we we thought we thought we were like mini rock stars or something, and a lot of people actually that worked on that show have gone on to some very big things. Um, so we had a, a very talented group of people. Um, who wrote and performed all of our stuff. We directed our stuff and produced it all. And it was uh, a really great experience. And some of those uh, people on that show are some of my best friends to this very day. So uh, Wazoo was a, a great call. And that said, you asked about the acting thing. I, I did get back into it. I was doing some voice work. I've done some radio theater stuff with Cairo. And then um, I actually went right back to Bellevue College right before the pandemic and started taking scene study classes again at Bellevue, just because I like it, just because I like doing the work. It's just, I, I have no uh, aspiration to be like a, a star of TV or, you know, silver screen or whatever. I have none of that, but like, I, I just like doing the work. It's just a lot of fun. And so my schedule doesn't allow it all that much because I get up so early, but when I, when I can, I like to dive into that and give it a go well bill i just thought of something so the, the actor brian cranston great actor he kind of got bigger in his 50s maybe wixie can kind of use the the kramer model and kind of becoming yeah. your 50s a big actor maybe there's something yeah there, so okay. <laughs> well listen Cranst, cranston cranston brian cranston yeah, so. different yeah i mean he's he's one of the greats uh so i you know you can't I'm, i don't even hardly know what i'm doing yet i mean i i do but i i uh it, the process to me is just fascinating i i like i like getting in somebody else's skin and forgetting about what else is going on in the world for a little while and just getting into that space that that to me is it's incredibly hard to do it's hard it's hard to even explain how hard it is to do authentically um and to be true and be really be in the moment as an actor but when you're there, man, there it's 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 really something. And when you're working with another really good, committed person, you know, th there there's magic in there. I enjoy some of the local theater, like the Inamen and the Rep and the Fifth Avenue. There's some really good yeah. Seattle local theater. Yeah, I, we're lucky. We're lucky. We have a great theater scene here. The Rep, yeah, there was some good stuff here. Paul Schneiderman again on uh, Sports Untold, the 102nd edition with uh, with Bill Wixie. Bill, you know. Um, important part of your life is I know you're a, a cancer survivor and can you share with us a little bit about Hodgkin's lymphoma and just maybe some general awareness you can give to people about this disease that you conquered? Yeah, well, conquer, I don't know. I mean, after five years being cancer free, they say you're cured. So that's, you know, that that's what I'm going on. Um, but that was 11 years ago. And, uh, it's something, you know, to be honest with you, I, I went through it in kind of a public way. I, I don't I don't I don't talk a ton about it anymore. And I think part of it is that it's always kind of in the rear view, you know. And so I, I it, it was a, a, a tougher fight on me than I wanted to publicly 
admit um, because the the part of it, and if I'm being really honest, like the, the part of it that I didn't fully grasp at the time while going through it was the mental aspect and what it does to you um, uh, from a, you know, you, you realize you're not totally in control. We, we go through these things in our lives where we kind of think, oh, we've got this. Oh, I can handle that. I can do that. That's one of those things you just, you're like, well, crap, I can only do what I can do. And that's got to be good enough. And if it's not, then I see ya, you know? So um, it's really humbling and it, it, they offer you resources, right? And when you're a young youngish man i guess i was 41 at the time like uh when they offer you resources and you're going through something like that i think the 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 dude mindset would be i don't i don't need that you know i'll i'll talk to my friends or you know i'll talk to my spouse or whatever but like truly that's where I, that's where I stumbled. I, sh I should have, I should have acknowledged that what I was going through had the gravity that it did. And I didn't want to give it that power at the time. So that's the, the big insight that I would give on that is just like, take the help. You know, when they say we have resources to help you talk through it, even if you don't think you need to talk through it, it's, it's good to, you know, articulate that stuff at the time because you know, as you come out of it, it's almost like a prize fighter after a you know, heavyweight bout or something. And you're, you know, you feel a little beaten up, but you're also kind of like, okay, now what, you know? And so there's a kind of a, it's a weird uh, emptiness in there. Um, it's, it's hard to describe. Anybody who's been through that kind of a fight knows, but it uh, take the help. So Bill, as public as you were with your illness, there, there was more to it that maybe some people did not know about. Is that kind of what you're, what you're sharing with yeah. us? Okay. Oh, I yeah. think so yeah. for sure. I think, yeah. I think what I was doing is, is talking myself up too. I was, I was kind of pepping myself up by saying, Oh, I got, I got this, I got this. And, and, you know, you asked about Hodgkins and, and honestly, like Hodgkins as opposed to some others is a lot less nasty, a lot less deadly um, because of, you know, really great advances in, in technology and, and research and, and medicine over the last, you know, 20, 30 years, they've um, been able to, you know, have a very good cure rate, uh, like 95%, even late stage. So that's, that was encouraging to me. So that made me feel like I was um, going to be able to um, knock it out. And that was the attitude I took into it. But that said, it still takes a lot out of you. Well, Bill, thank you for opening up about a, a, a subject that's obviously a, a powerful one in your life. So, so I appreciate you sharing a little more about the, the illness. Bill, just to rewind for a second, the one thing you said I really got a kick out of is that you're a little bit of a kookski. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to steal <laughs> that, that line. I never heard that one before. That was a good one. And, and real quickly, a little another quick rewind here. There's that actor that I know you and Chris Davis know who went to Lake Washington, who's had a lot of yeah. success. What's his name again? I think he played basketball. Yeah, Lake well, he was Jeff Morgan back yeah. in the day. Now he's Jeffrey Dean Morgan. That's right. That's right. Jeffrey Dean Morgan. So yeah, he, he he's uh, he's had a lot of success. I was just thinking about yes, one of your classmates has. who's who's uh, he, he's a good actor. Um, yeah, he's kicking butt, doing really well. Been some fun stuff. 
Um, I know you worked in Green Bay, and I want to ask you a couple questions yeah. about your Green Bay experience. Um, was it hard when you worked in Green Bay? Let me, let me strike that. Let me ask a little differently. When you worked in Green Bay, did you become a Packers fan at all? And I also want to ask you about home oh, yeah. getting in the Seattle Ring of Honor. Yeah, I was really happy about that. Mike's a Mike's an awesome guy. Like in Green Bay, um, that is a town that bleeds green and gold. The best way I heard it put is it's a, a drinking town with a football problem. And <laughs> and because like I was the sports director for the NBC affiliate there, and I didn't really know quite what I had gotten myself into when I got that gig, but I got up there and it was all Packers all the time. Anything happened with the Packers that led the news. Like, I mean, it was huge. You know, you covered the others, you know, like it was a Milwaukee scene. So it was like more, you know, so it was, it was Wisconsin. You were doing Badger stuff, but you're also doing Bucks and you're doing Brewers. And, um, but the Packers dominated, they dominate statewide. Um, and so that was a, that was a blast. And like the whole, the whole, uh, the scene there, the tailgating, the brats and the beer and the bars and the, it, you know, Green Bay is, it, it, there's nothing like going to a game on a Sunday at Lambeau. There's just nothing like it. Anywhere I've been, I've been to, you know, dozens of stadiums all over. Like, there's really nothing like Lambeau Field. And some of it's the mystique and uh, it's it's just un. I, I can't I can't recommend it more highly when the uh, Seahawks play the Packers on the 17th. If you can get to Lambeau and you can get a ticket, go. I got to put on my bucket you, list. Be a part of that. Home. Win or lose, you're going to have a blast. Like to see it. Like to see it. I, I, I agree with you. It's fun to see Holmgren get in the ring of honor. Do you think do you think Mike Holmgren should be in the NFL Hall of Fame too? Or the Canton Hall of Fame? He was, you know, he was one game away. You know, I, I think I think he was a push-off call uh, D-Jack, uh, I think he got jobbed on that, and I think that if that call goes the other way and the touchdown stands, I think Holmgren maybe has a second title with a second team. Um, and that would be, you know, obviously Hall of Fame worthy. I, I think it's it's a shame that he, he couldn't get that one done. And I think he knew at that time the legacy that he was standing in front of right there. Felt good about the team's chances against Pittsburgh. And I think they got jobbed. I'm not going to lie. I think I, I really do. Until my dying day, I'm going to say that the Hawks got robbed in that Super Bowl and they should have won that game. And Holmgren, as a result, would probably be in the Hall of Fame. There were some bad calls. Holmgren also was a great offensive coordinator. So I think when the experts uh, analyze his Hall of Fame chances, I, some other aspects of his career need to be considered too. You know what? That's a great point. I mean, he he was one of the great tutors of quarterbacks ever. And you look at you look at his track record, it's ridiculous. And um, the guys that he brought up and the way he brought them up, um, he, he had a real, you know, we had Kurt Warner on the show the other day and I was reminded of that legacy too like in green bay you look at the legacy not only of coaches that coaching tree that came out of you know bill walsh and then you know there were branches coming out of holmgren as well um but then you know the quarterbacks that were there so at the time kurt warner came in for a cup of coffee trying to win a job with the packers as a third stringer maybe he was behind Favre, brunel and ty detmer um those were the three quarterbacks. When I was there, it was Favre, McMahon, Doug Peterson. Like, 
I mean, you talk about legends, like every single one of them, right? I mean, Peterson, maybe not so much as a quarterback, but certainly Ferndale High School. And, um, you know, now he's got a statue out in front of uh, Link in uh, Philadelphia, which is pretty amazing. It's incredible, Mike Holmgren's influence on in the whole on so many players. Bill, you know, I went to my first cracking game last night, the new Client Pledge Arena. It's amazing. Hey. It's a great arena. And Isn't went with it? my went with my eighty three year old stepfather, I had a great time. Yeah. And um, you know, I remember, Bill, several years ago, you were a supporter of the Key Arena or you became a supporter of the Key Arena remodel plan over the proposed Soto plan. And I remember you got a little flack for that. Do you feel more lot, validated yeah. and vindicated that? I don't know. I, I, I was on. I was on team. Let's get an arena built. Yeah. I, you know, I I didn't really care. I I wanted it built. I was as baffled as anybody about the Occidental vacation and why that didn't go through and why the the other arena plan didn't go through. Seemed like you know zoning wise, it made a lot of sense. Um, the traffic and the parking on you know up on Queen Anne is not great. I mean, I mean, I'm not going to argue about that. It never has been, probably won't be in the near future. But like, I just wanted an arena. I wanted to get the Sonics back. That was really my focus. And then in talking with these guys and going down to Los Angeles, whatever, four years ago or whatever, with um, and talking to Tim Lightwicky, um, and I just asked every single question that we all had at that time. It's like, why should we trust you? You know, why? Wh why would you be getting this done? Why? is this the plan? Why should we um, get behind this? And he sold me, you know, T Tim's a good talker, but he, he, but he had the, the gravitas to back it up and he had the connections probably most importantly to back it up. You know, I, at that time, I didn't even know his brother was going to get involved, but I had a pretty strong idea that he would probably somehow be involved. And, you know, those guys are truly, I mean, they're, they're sports management royalty, the Laiwiki. So, um, and there's something there. And, and he told me something that day that definitely came true. He was two steps beyond like getting the permitting and all that stuff. He was thinking of GMs, you know, he was thinking of this is how we're going to build a franchise in Seattle, that the arena was going to happen as far as he was concerned at that point, even though there were so many people here that were like, we don't want it there. We want it in Soto. And I'm like, do you want it or you don't you? You know, I mean, there were there were issues with that that Soto plan, um, and so it made a lot of sense. Let's get the thing built. Let's get going, and and we'll deal with that thing then. But like the the NBA coming back, you know, that that's that's going to happen. I mean, we all know that now. It was just it was just a, a question of the barn, and and now it's built and it's there and it's beautiful and. So the Sonics will come back, and there's not an NBA team that isn't paying attention. You know, I was personally a little bit of a skeptic if, if the Seattle Center Arena remodel would ever work, but it, it, I just think that many of us that were skeptical, I, I think we've been proven wrong in some ways. That's my two cents. I'm, and Bill, you may have been ahead of the curve in seeing the, 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 the benefits of a Seattle Center Arena remodel plan. I just remember that from a few years ago when you were yeah. uh, giving I, your I thoughts think, on I, that. I think that... I, I think we just needed to get it done. I mean, it, we were we were dancing around it for a decade, you know, and it just and nothing was going on. You know, we were we were so close here, we were so close there, and nothing was happening. You, you know, I remember what was it six years ago when the Coyotes were one city council vote away from moving here, and we didn't even have a building. Remember it well. You know, yeah. I mean, that's that, that that's how attractive our market is without a building. Now we have a palace, which it you know. 
is also one of the premier music venues on the West Coast now. So we're, we scored. I hear you. It's very exciting. Bill, you mentioned that the, about the prospects, the Sonics coming back, the NBA coming back. I want to ask you a question, Bill, and you cover local politics. You cover so much stuff as a, as a news anchor. Do you think the Seattle mayor's race, or I should say the winner of the mayor's race this year, who's either going to be Bruce Hill, Harrell or Leonard Gonzalez, do you think the next mayor of Seattle will have any will play any role in whether we get a team back in the next few years? Or do you think the NBA is going to come back regardless of who the mayor of Seattle is? Help, help me with that. Answer that question. Uh, the answer to that question would be, I, I, I would think Bruce Harrell would have uh, a better um, impetus to bring basketball back. He's a basketball guy in a basketball family uh, and has had high level discussions with high level people in the NBA. Uh, that said, could either of them bring the NBA back? Yeah, I would think so. I mean, it was it was always about the building. It is about the building. The, the larger issues that Seattle is struggling with right now, um, that remains to be seen who has a, a plan and you know the, the better plan or whatever. But I, I, I would like to think personally that, that our city's economy uh, and this gold rush, you know, in terms of you know, tech money that's flowing through here, I would think that that would be enough to lure, well, it was enough to lure um, Oakview Tim Lightwicky and his group come in here and spend what two billion dollars to get these complexes up and running uh, and to make this happen. And and Bonderman has stated even to me that he would like to uh, be a part of an ownership group for the NBA. Like he's down, so it's all there. I mean, so so that's that's really the the bigger question: who would be more of a a supporter? of the NBA, as Jenny Durkin has been, uh, I would say probably Bruce Harrell. Harrell could be maybe more of a catalyst to getting it done versus Gonzalez. Is that a, is that a fair point, maybe? or? Yeah, I think um, I, I, it's a crucial election, you know? I mean, not to make too fine a point of it, but it's, it's really crucial. I, I feel like our city is at a, a crossroads here. Um, and we were talking last week about how the, uh, the about how the World Cup uh, representatives were in town and how they are touring Seattle as a possible World Cup site. I mean, it makes perfect sense to me that the World Cup would want to go into business with Seattle. We're like Soccer City USA, aren't we? Or we were. I mean that 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 would make a ton of sense you would want to have seattle be a site of the world cup and believe me that would be i mean monumental that's like you know that's like getting the super bowl and we maybe would get it you know a couple three times with with the world cup venue here but that said um i'm thinking about what those people are seeing as they go around if they're if they're seeing what I see when I come in to work and I take that Mercer exit every day and I look around and I see the trash, which interestingly got cleaned up last week, a lot of it. Um, and I'm seeing homeless encampments and I'm seeing graffiti, a lot more graffiti now than I did. Um, and so there, there's been, and, and this is not news to anybody, there, there's been a bit of a, an ideological shift in the city towards really trying to help the 
the homeless and we can't be heartless and we, we, we can't sweep the, the encampment. Sweeping has, has real repercussions too. Um, so like, how do we deal with this? This is a problem that has grown um, in some cases like exponentially through the pandemic and we're seeing it like Green Lake, been over there, Woodland Park, you know, it, people don't want to take their kids out there anymore, you know, and, yeah. and that's really, that's really frustrating. So from that standpoint, you know, you want to bring big things into the city. You want to attract the NBA. You want to attract uh, the World Cup. You want to continue to attract, you know, big events in the city to our convention center and so forth. It, it's got to be an effort from, you know, not only a marketing and PR side, but a humanitarian side, what is the plan? We can't just keep throwing money at it. It's not. It's not doing anything. It's not going anywhere. A lot of issues in this in this city. Bruce Harrell, I know Bruce a bit. He is a big sports fan, so I I think he yeah. certainly would embrace having the NBA come back. We'll have to see what happens. Paul Schneiderman again, host of Sports Untold, the hundred third edition, hundred second edition, also running on Rainier Avenue Radio with. With Bill Wixie. Bill, I asked these two questions to many guests, and with you as a full-time anchor, I'm going to expand on these questions a bit, but I want to, here's my, here's my first two questions um, on this general topic of people in history, living and deceased, that interests you. Who is a deceased sports figure you would have loved to have interviewed or had a conversation with, and who's a living sports figure you would love to interview or have a conversation with? Well, I, Muhammad Ali pops into my mind um just because i never i never actually spoke to him i i encountered him twice in my life and he's one of those figures where like once i was at a boxing match i was in uh, where was i I was in detroit it was a tyson fight and Layla ali was on the undercard and it was i don't know maybe like the first or second undercard bout and these guys are in the middle of the ring and there's this huge eruption and it's kind of a slow moving one. And here comes Muhammad Ali uh, being guided into the arena. Um, this was at the palace at Auburn Hills. And uh, you know he's being guided down uh, towards the ring and everybody slowly can see what this is about. The guys in the ring probably don't have any idea. They're like, wow, we must be fighting really well. These people are going crazy. No, but it was the greatest. He was there in the house. It was really cool. And then the other time was uh, not long after that, I was at the Air Chicago airport and I was just walking down and I see this huge crowd of people. It's like a big, you know, circular group of people. And what is going on there? And I'm looking and I look and there and Muhammad was there in a, in a wheelchair. And he was just shaking people's hands, just like one after the other. I mean, like people just wanted to be near that. Um, so like. But I you mean, saw him a couple times. I mean, can you imagine being like Dick Cavett or to be Robert, uh, Howard Cosell back in the day and to be able to have that kind of relationship with Muhammad Ali? I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm so fascinated by that guy. So that would be my my guy so many of my guests i mentioned ali as a deceased sports figure they would love to have interviewed or had a conversation with also gotten like hank aaron babe ruth you know dean smith all sorts of great names uh who's a living ty cobb ty, ty cobb, cobb would be fascinating yeah is he, is he is he really as cantankerous as they say yeah he wasn't known to be great on race relations but that's a whole other conversation about yeah ty cobb. well we, we, we can get into that with him too right maybe he changed his mind yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know, but we he he had his problems. Um, who's a oh, living yeah. sports figure 
uh, Bill, you'd love to have an interview or conversation. We've gotten Sandy Koufax, Joe Montana, Serena Williams, Michael, you know what? Michael Jordan. I, so, you know. like, I'll go back. So, so Holmgren, one of the things that I love talking to Mike about, um, I mean, I'd like talking to him about anything ever, but like, so to talk to him about football and execution in particular, like coming from the Bill Walsh school, I was always fascinated by the idea of setting the bar so high that even if you didn't quite get there, you're going to come really close and you're going to have a lot of success. Right. So everything was about precision um, and about you're going to run a perfect route. And if it's not absolutely perfect, it's going to be pretty darn close. Right. And everybody's going to be doing that. Like Bill Belichick says, do your job. So I've never actually talked to Bill Belichick. I, uh, shoved a microphone in his face one time and a gaggle of reporters, but I've never uh, interviewed the guy. I would love to have an actual sit-down conversation with Bill Belichick sometime and talk football. So Great some name. of the stupid little nuances of, of football with him, I think that would be fascinating. In Holmgren, I'd love to chat with Mike Holmgren, too. I've never met Mike Holmgren. I, I, I love, love listening to him on KJR, but I hadn't gotten the answer of Bill Belichick yet. You, you also mentioned Holmgren would be great to chat with. Bill, who's a deceased media figure you would have loved to have interviewed or have a conversation with, and who's a living media figure you'd love to have a chat with? I will always chat with Tony Ventrella anytime, anywhere. I love Tony. I, I, he brought me to Seattle, so I owe everything to Tony. I, I love that guy. He was my idol growing up, too, on the air. Like, I, when he would do the big five ski on the air and stuff, I, I stole that for my first job. It was the three ski. Like, I, I, I adored Tony. I thought Tony was like the David Letterman of uh, local TV sports. I mean, Bruce King was amazing. Uh, and Wayne Cody, icon, right? But Tony just had that thing. I don't know what it was, but a little quirky, a little fun. He's so great. that was the guy was the guy I kind of emulated. And he is that guy to this day. And so I adore Tony and and that's my guy. So I will talk to him about anything, anytime, anywhere. And he's an actor too, which is funny. So when I got back into that game uh and started taking classes again, I told him and we were chatting about what he does because he does um community theater still and uh really enjoys it. Uh as far as uh a late one, maybe Murrow, uh, Edward R. Murrow. Would be a great answer. A, yeah. I mean, cause I, you know, going through the Murrow school and there, there's a lot of that tradition there for sure. Um, you know, we had the Keith Jackson studio there. Kathy Gertson has her um, building there now. And the Washington state schools produce so many great journalists and they're all over the world now, uh, doing their thing. Um, but Murrow is the, you know, to this day, I mean, people, you say the word Murrow to people and they know it and it has immediate respect. And I think that's super cool that Washington State has that sort of a connection with something so iconic that just says, you know, brilliance. It says journalistic integrity. It, it, it's everything that that good journalism, capital J, J school journalism is about, you know. And I'm, I'm, I'm so proud to be a part of that. I had Ventrella on my show last year. He kindly came on. He was a lot of fun. And, and what did Mur what was Murrow's send off? Good night and good luck. Was, was that a yeah. send off? Yeah. Yeah. Great I, movie too. If you ever get a chance. I George saw that. Clooney directed that. that I saw that. Movie. Yeah. Yeah. David I saw Strait that. There. I saw it. Murrow. I mean, you're right. Having a, the affiliation Murrow has a WSU is great. 
Uh, Bill, you got time for a few more minutes? Got sure. A few more minutes? Great, great. Bill, who's a... Hello? Hello? Sorry. Oh, it's all right. Hello? All right. I'm still here. Are you still there, no, Bill? No, I don't know what I did. Okay. Somehow I got you on safe driving mode. Okay. There we go. Oh, I can no, see you. Now I'm see off you. safe driving mode, so you better watch out. No, yeah, great. Well, thanks for sticking around, Bill. I got a few more questions <laughs> if, you're, if you're up for it. No, we're having a great time. Um, who's a, uh, outside of sports and media, uh, who would be a deceased person history you would have loved to have interviewed or had a conversation with? And who's a living person right now, somebody outside of maybe sports and media you'd love to have an interview with? It could be a world leader, an artist, an actor, mm. whoever, for both questions. Uh, mm. You know, I, I, I've been so lucky to interview a lot of really interesting people, but, you know, it'd be fun for me to just to have like a really uh, candid conversation about the process of acting with, I mean, I could pick any of 20, I guess, you know. Um, that, that would be really interesting, but I would want to get super deep into the weeds with it, you know, like if I could, or to talk to like Mike McCready or Eddie Vedder about how they, their songwriting process, how do you do that? Like, is it a riff that you come up with? Do you ever write down lyrics and then create music from that? What is that process? That's a, that's a conversation that I've often wanted to have with those guys um good names yeah good names. yeah so like that like it would seem like so i've met all the members of pearl jam except for eddie now and i've never asked them any of these geekazoid questions because i just don't have the guts when i'm around them to be that much of a nerd uh those are all f fun names that you've given who's a deceased person that you would have loved to have interviewed i'd chat with somebody's no longer with us that you would have thought gosh it would have been fun to have a chat with that person you know, well, it's funny, you know, to go all Seattle with it, like, um, I, I would like, you know, Kurt Cobain, but he hated the media. So if I was a guy representing the media, he wouldn't probably give me the time of day for a, a decent interview, really. Um, uh, you know, but I, one time I was on an airplane with Janie Hendrix, Jimmy's sister um, and their family, and we were all flying down to Mexico on the same flight. And I happened to notice that Janie was working on some Hendrix-related uh, stuff, and I and I was that person saying, "I'm sorry, I couldn't help but you know notice your last name is Hendrix, you know something." And she's like, "Yeah," and Jimmy and Dad, and we, so we, we talked for you know like an hour about things, and um, you know I I just I feel like Jimmy had so much more for us, you know, and like it it would have been it would have been cool to have seen what Jimmy would have done over the next 40 years. Oh, for sure. Because um, I, I, I have a feeling it would have spanned way out of music and, you know, you know, I, 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 I just get that sense. Like he, he was, he was springing into or the spring from him. The uh, inspiration was coming in all sorts of different ways. So um, th that would be an interesting one, but I would want to maybe do it like, 10 years after like seven, what was it, 73? So maybe like in 83. Jimi Hendrix, 1983. 
Gosh, that's a great name from history. A great entertainer that I would have loved to have met or had a conversation with Jimi Hendrix. A lot of fun. I, I, I like it how you went outside of like world leaders. It's fun that you mentioned some local artists and, and musicians. Buddy, so. I, I got to be honest with you. Like, I'm, I'm kind of done with politics. Like, it's just, it, it's ripped. I mean, I don't know if you've noticed. You contacted me on Facebook, and it was, it was just happenstance that I just happened to glance at it yesterday, because I've essentially quit social media because, because it's become this like vacuum of hate, and I just, I, I don't want to be a part of that anymore. And I find that I'm so much happier without it. It's something that we use as a tool in our industry, certainly to connect with the audience and I always used it in that way to connect but I felt like there was such a disconnect in that realm that I just can't do it and so like I I kind of don't like getting into the political realm and that's probably why my brain didn't go there no well totally understandable and, I, and I've I, I'm still on social media but I've cut back giving my personal opinions too often because it just seems it's just toxic it just seems to turn into a big a big it, it, it turns to a big online food fight too often. And I, I, yeah. I'm not looking for those right now. But anyhow, I hear what you're saying, Bill. Uh, I'm not going to say I've word. never commented on some social political issues. And I'm not going to say that I never will not comment again. I've just scaled back. That That's kind of where I'm I at, used to, so. I used to do it a lot. I, I used to say it. I used to actually appreciate the feedback. If somebody disagreed, I was happy to have this uh, uh, a discussion about it. But the civility left. It went out the window, um, and that happened in about what I would say July of 2016. Got worse. And then, it, got, then. it went. It went. It went. It went really far the other way real quick, and and so and and I I, I stayed with it and stayed with it, and um, at a point I realized it was it was damaging my mental health like I, I just was I wasn't okay with what I was giving or getting so I just decided you know I, I don't I don't I don't need that and it's funny because there's actual you know science now to indicate that social media can be an addiction and people really get off on the feedback and how many likes am I going to get and you know how many comments am I going to get and am I really stirring this up and you know that that becomes like a drug for people and I just went cold turkey and I'm better off for that. I think personally for now, like well, you say, here I am on Facebook live. So I want to act com like I'm completely pure on this, but your points are, your, your points are valid in many ways. Bill, we have a new street named after Lenny Wilkins by yeah. the UCL center arena. We have a street named after Edgar Martinez. There's a Royal Brougham way. Who's another athlete or figure you'd like to see have a street name after them in Seattle or King County? Throw out a name, ah, someone you like well, to see. Well, I'll, I'll throw one out. Okay. Except, except it wouldn't be a street. It would have to be a block. Walter Jones. That's a cool one. Maybe do it block. by the do by the Seahawks stadium. <laughs> be a block. Walter Jones. I like it. I like it. Bill, um, what's something in your career that you've not done that you'd love to do in your media career? I don't, I don't have one ball. <laughs> You've done it all. Honestly. No, yeah. I, I, I reached that moment. I, I, my bucket list, like if I had one, like I filled it in my job a while ago, the biggest one was the Super Bowl parade, like to have gone to see the Super Bowl in New York 
And to watch Russell Wilson hold that trophy up, and I'm standing there on the field with the confetti flying down. And I got down in the field, and I'm, like, swimming in the stuff. And then I fly home, and our flight's delayed, and I'm ba- I had barely slept. And then, you know, get here early, you know, on the parade day, and I'm on the air for 12 hours straight that day doing parade coverage. And the plan was for me to get off the air at like 10 or something. I just, I wasn't going to do it. I, I, well, nobody ever asked me to, but I didn't want to leave. I wanted to be there for every single second of it. And like, that was magic. And I got off the air that day. I was absolutely exhausted by, you know, what, five o'clock PM. And I, um, I just broke down crying. I was like, it's never going to get any better than that. That is, that is literally the pinnacle of everything I've ever wanted to do. It was my whole life, really, because I spent all that time in the kingdom with bad Seahawks teams and uh, dashed hopes and, you know, the Sonics leaving. And, you know, that Sonics parade is a really, you know, really close to my heart, too. So everything just came full circle um, with that. So for me, that was the pinnacle and nothing could ever, as far as I'm concerned, I don't know if anything can ever top that. That 2014 Hawks parade, I was there. I remember the Sonic 79 parade. What what great memories. Well, Bill, this is probably my final topic, if you're okay with it. I just want to get your couple insights you have and memories you have of covering a couple of the Olympics that you've covered. Beijing, Vancouver, London. Can you share with the listeners yeah. and viewers a little bit about covering those Olympics games? The Olympics, so for you know, to be a sports nerd like me, to go and do the Olympic thing and to be able to be a proud American is really cool. You know, you're rocking your American colors and I'm not a big like team guy. You're not going to see me wearing a lot of Seahawks gear, whatever, generally. But like, I'm more than happy at the Olympics to rock, you know, that I'm an American. And that's that to me is cool. That's our team, you know, and and I like that um, it's it's a very it's a convivial uh, worldwide community, and it and it feels kind. It feels like it feels like we should be the best. It's our best selves, I guess, on display, and that's that's what I like. And the idea that these athletes have trained for years for that one moment, you know, and you get to go there and and be a part of it, that's magic. Um, to see some of the things I've seen, uh, Michael Phelps winning gold medals and USA women winning a gold medal, you know, stuff like that. Random, uh, you know, featherweight boxing, like it's, it's magic that the, the Vancouver Olympics was super fun for the hockey. I, I really dug that. That was, that was some of the best hockey I've ever seen. Um, so yeah, I, I, it's all of it. You know, if, if, uh, if I've ever offered a chance to go to an Olympics again or like I, it ever happens in my in my realm, I'm, I'm all over that. Seems like, Bill, the feel of being at those Olympics games is just part of it beyond just the sports. Like you mentioned, just rooting for your country and just the whole the whole atmosphere. It's it, it sounds. Yeah. Amazing, you know what? So. You know, now that you mention it, Paul, like I watch the NBC's had the contract for so long now, like. I, I watch those guys like Tariko and and watch um, Costas for years and and all the folks over there. I just I go my God if I could just do that like one time like 
how cool would that be? Give me like the overnight. I'll do like an hour at like from midnight to one or something. I don't care, you know, three to four, right? Like that's just such a cool gig, you know? Um, that, that I, so yeah, so maybe that would be a topper. That might be, so covering covering the Olympics, having a special Olympics assignment, that may be the, something your career would love to do before you Olympic Olympic hockey, yeah. Olympic hockey with Bill Wixie and remember Marv Albert? Oh and my Al gosh, Michaels yeah, the yeah, Olympic yeah. hockey cast. Yeah, right, right. Well, let's Paul see, you Schneiderman. never know. Not me. I don't know hockey that well. I'm learning it. I, I keep telling people I need to learn the infield fly rules of hockey. So I'm, I'm learning <laughs> oh, hockey. Oh, buddy, I'm doing, a, I'm doing a hockey 101 series on uh, – on Fox 13. So oh, love it. It's, love it's it. up on my website, up on our website. We have, um, so the third one's going to air Monday. Great. And so the first one was, this is a puck. <laughs> the second one is, this is how we skate. And the third one is, this is a hockey stick. And then it's like passing and shooting and then, you know, offside. And then we're getting into icing and then penalties and fighting and power play penalty kill, you know, the basics. I'm so going to watch them all. I think, I, I think some of my viewers are going to jump at that as well. So you go to the Q13 website to, to uh, yeah. watch us. Well, yeah. it's yeah. just now getting up. I think the second one, it dropped yesterday. So um, yeah, well, I'll just keep doing them. I'm doing them in conjunction with their games. So Ian Furness is sure a great local hockey guy, isn't he? Yes. He yeah, is. He, he, he really, really knows the game, which surprises me because he doesn't skate. Yeah, he knows hockey well. He's a, It's been fun he hearing him as a, great. As a yeah. backup broadcaster when he filled in. Well, Bill, I really appreciate you taking about an hour a day and doing this uh, chat with me on Sports Untold, also on Rainier Avenue. Yeah. Very kind of you, Bill. That I know you worked hard today. You got up early and you did a long broadcast and you're, you end up spending an hour with me today. So very yeah. kind of you doing this. And oh, I, yeah. Just Thank so much you, fun. And, so. Hey, I appreciate the offer, man. Thanks for thanks for thinking of me. And uh, you're great. You're oh, awesome at this. Oh, it means a lot to me, Bill. Coming from you as a, as a veteran newscaster, and I, I've looked up to your career in so many ways, as many others have. So th- th- that's a very – I don't get a lot of compliments, but I'll certainly take that one. So thank oh, you well, so much. I, well, you're and, doing awesome, man. Well, Way having fun. Having I'm fun. proud of you because you, you talked about doing this ages ago. And then whatever happened, we just, our paths didn't quite cross. We weren't able to do it. But look at you now. You're killing it. Well, thanks, Bob. I'm learning, still learning the ropes so much. I remember back about 2016 like it. when when it was in development of me uh, doing a, a show on Rainier Avenue Radio. I remember we, you and I had a couple of private uh, communications about it where I wanted your feedback. But thanks for being a supporter. And I'm just so glad I got you on. This has been a lot of fun. Yeah, me too, man. Bill, it's have a pleasure. great weekend, and you and I will, will be in touch. And I'll, actually, I, my uh, assistant producer, Lucius Tenebris, says, I hope one day to look as spiffy as Bill Wixie. So we can end on that <laughs> note. <laughs> right on. Thanks, Paul. You too, Appreciate Bill. A lot you. of fun. You take care. Bye.